What's up, everyone? Welcome to Sports Card Madness, the podcast that covers the entire collectible space, including sports cards, business, technology, and more. Now brought to you in partnership with Fanatics Live. And then he tells me after I end the item, hey, I need you to send it to me first before I pay. Now, this is insane, right? This is 20-something years ago, but even back then, it probably didn't make any sense. But those were the early days. And... Kick is on the way, and it is What's up, everyone? I am very psyched for this one. So LZ's here. He's always here. And uh, we have Adam Ray. Um, I followed Adam for a long time. Um, he's also got a, a great podcast. I'm sure he'll tell, tell us about later. But Adam, to me, is... He might not agree, but I feel like he's like the top three in terms of like basketball card knowledge in the country, maybe even the world. So I'm like psyched to pick his brain. So uh, welcome to the pod, Adam. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for the kind intro. Yeah. And Adam, I have to agree with with Nick on the uh, top three thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, top I, I three. Just, I feel terrible. I mean, I, how am I not number one? What the heck you could be. You it's could funny. Be. As I was I'm saying kidding. top three, I'm like, should I just say top one? Because I was totally trying to think kidding. in my head like, oh, geez. But how um, do we, how do we I'm always impressed. something like that? I don't think we really can. You know? <laughs> no, we can't. No, we can't. We're just afraid to offend somebody that we're not thinking of, which is why we say top three. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adam, you have a really cool background that is very unique, right? A lot of us do different things, have different occupations, have different paths um, in the hobby. But you have a pretty pretty crazy background. I, I know that you you were in private equity. Can you talk about that a little bit, just the timing of it and, and maybe why you you got out? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm a CPA, uh, went to school to be an accountant, mostly because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and then as most accountants, Accountants find out it's not always like the most fun place to be. Um, but what I did think was fun was accounting for for funds. So I started work with a um, a fund admin firm here in Salt Lake. Is like one of the first one of the first guys on. It was a place called Strata. I was the ninth guy on there, and I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. I was accounting for like hedge funds and fund funds and all these you know different types of investment vehicles. And then I had a recruiter come knocking and said, hey, and this is like five, six years after I started. Um, they were like, hey, there's a there's a private equity fund here in Salt Lake called Mercado. They need a new controller, somebody to come in and do what you're doing. But instead of doing it for a lot of different funds, you're just going to come in and do it just for this private equity group. And there's not a lot of people who work there. You know, there's like nine or 10 people and so it's, I think it's a really cool opportunity for you. And I was, I just sat there and I thought about it for a while. There's not more than a couple of people in the whole state who get to do something like that. So I took the opportunity. I, I, I was there for seven years. We grew from being just a couple of growth stage funds to, uh, I think we had like 10 funds when I left and we had a food and beverage fund, a couple of food and beverage funds, um, I even talked to my boss. You guys are anything. This is crazy. I talked to my boss about doing like a card fund or a collectible Ooh. fund. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so I was the main accountant on a lot of that stuff. I think I was at one point I was accounting for like close to a billion dollars in assets, which isn't like crazy, but it's, 
it's a, it was a cool position for me. I loved a lot of it, but at the end of the day, it still was just accounting. And I didn't feel like I got to make as big of a difference there as I'd like to, even though I got to sit in all the, on all the cool meetings with all the cool investor types, I didn't really get to do everything I wanted to. So I had the opportunity to work in cards and um, I love cards. And so I took the shot. Excellent. Nice. So um, for the audience that might not know what private equity is, uh, it's essentially, you know, you can invest in stocks and bonds and real estate. There are other categories. Private equity is another category. And these companies, in some cases, not all cases, they can buy a company, fix it up, grow the company, sell the company. And when Adam mentions funds, they'll raise, I don't know, it, it, it could be any dollar amount, a $10 million fund, a $100 million fund. And then they try to make 20% return on that fund and they give it to investors. Um, did I get that right, Adam? You did really good. I, our funds, the, the first one that I started with was 52 million. And when I left, we were raising a $400 million fund. So we had Ooh. a lot of growth and it was awesome. Uh, and the only other thing I would say is you mentioned 20%. Um, that's awesome. Our, our IRR on a couple of our funds was 30. And so IRR, mm. yeah, we were, we, Mercado is a great fund. And I, I did have a great experience there. I, I learned so much about like how to run a business there, not from running a business, but from watching the people who were like the investors and learning from those meetings. And the thing, I think the biggest, this is, I've never really talked about this before, but the thing that I learned that was like the biggest lesson is that sometimes in life you have to you've got to take chances and you've got to like go after things. You know, it's not always about like letting things come to you or being, being prudent. Sometimes it's like, go do that thing. Cause that thing is a really cool opportunity. And I, I think the world of private equity sort of sees that vision or has that vision maybe more than, than most other groups, certainly more than accountants do. Um, and so mm. that was, it was an awesome experience for me. But like I said, at the end of the day, I've always loved cards. My first job was in cards um, I started, you know, the first basketball card podcast and a basketball card magazine, which has been a successful business. And like, I just love cards. I don't love, I don't love random tech companies, although random tech companies are cool. No offense to any present company. Like it just wasn't as fun for me as, as cards. Excellent. Yeah. I can imagine the, um, the rigor and financial perspective you actually can put into collecting is probably a benefit. You know, you're not, Sure. Going willy nilly after stuff, you know. I bet you have like a plan, and um, you know, it's. I like cool. to think so. It's yeah. wrong sometimes, but <laughs> it's a plan still. <laughs> Adam, have you always had this entrepreneurial spirit? Like, if, if you even think of yourself as a kid or a teenager, you know, I'm just thinking of you. I mean, you're not an old guy, right? So, you were you were a CPA. You had this safe job, and then you got you got asked by a headhunter to come and work at this fund. You were there for a while, and then it's like, hey. I think I can create this magazine. I think I can create this podcast. So have you always had that spirit? Oh, dude, I love that question. I, I wish I could say that I did. I, I kind of stumble. I feel like I stumble into things, right? Like, like when I was, when I was buying cards, when I was a kid, I had a time where I realized that I was buying something on eBay and I saw something sell at the card shop and they were different prices. And I was like, whoa. I think I could buy in one place and sell in another place. Like, Ooh. this is really cool. And so I started doing it and I was like, I don't know. I was like 14 or 13 or 14 years old when I, when I was doing that. And so I guess, you know, always, maybe not always, but I like, I would bump into things like that and go, this makes sense. And then mm. one day I was listening to the Bill Simmons pod. Um, you remember the old uh, BS report when it was on yep. ESPN? Mm -hmm. I was like, this is so cool. I wish that we had this for cards. And then that night I was like, I'm going to, 
figure out how to do this. And then of course it wasn't good. It was terrible. I, I, I wish I was as good as you guys at like knowing how to like put something together. I had no idea what I was doing. I started recording and put it out on the, put it out and figured out how to like, like load up a podcast, which was hard to do back then and just put it out there. But I just, I just sort of bump into things along the way and just go, is this something that I want to do? And I've taken some chances, obviously some big chances. The the leaving PE thing was a huge chance. Oh yeah. But yeah, you're you're no being regrets. modest. You're being no modest. You've you've had this in you. I can just tell you've had it in you for a long time. At 14 years old, you had it in you, right? Uh, 14 year olds, typical 14 year old boys <laughs> are thinking about, uh, well, it, it's probably sports, girls, and like what what's the latest cool sneaker I can get? And you were thinking about, ooh, ooh I can make a profit going to the local card store and selling it on eBay. So you've had it. You've had. It doesn't surprise me. You've had that in you. Uh, you yeah. touched on um basketball card fanatic magazine I, i'd love to get into that with you um did you leave private equity and like immediately start that was it something you were doing as a side hustle while you were there can you just talk to us about how that that started and then it grew so this is embarrassing um because i i'll tell you why it's embarrassing i was working hard in private equity we were having our um we we're having our fourth kid and I was like, I just want to do card stuff all the time. And so I started, I started this like newsletter thing and I didn't know that it would be, I didn't know it would turn into a print magazine at all. Mm. And, um, I, but the, the great thing about it was that there, there have been so many people along the way who've sort of stood up to say, Hey, I'd love to help with this thing. So I was working, I was working like day to day in this controller job and, then I started doing this newsletter and I really enjoyed it, but I, I didn't know if there was any real way to profitability. A news, like doing a magazine in 2020 is probably the worst idea somebody has ever had, right? <laughs> like, am I wrong? Like you guys are both really smart tech, like smart guys. Like what is dumber than coming up with a magazine in 2020? It's so stupid. But what? the thing that I always just was getting tired of is like, I felt like all hobby content was like all about dollars. It was all about numbers. It was like, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Let me be really clear. Like, I don't have any problem with those things. Those things are good. And a lot of people, that's what they, that's what they really care about. But I like, I like the cards, you know? And so I like the stories. I like when you read something or when you hear a story, storytelling is like fundamental to what I love. I, and I didn't realize this, but like, I love telling stories, I love hearing stories. I don't always love the numbers stuff. And so I was like, let me start this like newsletter magazine thing. And then I had a friend, um, his name's Black Griffin Cards on Instagram. He's like, you need somebody to come in and design this for you and make it a real magazine and give him all the credit in the world. Because without him, we would have been just doing something in a, like in Word that I was printing to PDF and sending sending people out. It would have lasted five issues probably and we would have been done. But instead we got to like our seventh or eighth uh, issue and I and and we did a test run on printing it. And when we got it in print, we were like, there might be something here. We we could do something really cool here because what we what we realized is like this would be a fun thing to collect. This would be a fun thing to get in the mail every day. It's totally like not smart from like a um it's not smart from a perspective of like an efficiency model, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you guys do and how many people you touch when you do this podcast is efficient. It's smart. What we do with the magazine is not smart. It's totally stupid. It's like we're gonna we're gonna have people write these things. We're gonna design these amazing things around them. Then we're gonna make them pay for a print thing to come to their house. It's awful. But what it is is it's like super nostalgic. And what we found is that people love it. And 
Um, I know I'm getting long-winded with this answer, so I'll wrap it up. But like, I was doing both at the same time. And I thought, you know, is there a chance that we can make this into something so big that it becomes my career? It's become not only profitable, but like very successful, but it also isn't like enough to be, you know, it's not like the only thing that I'm able to do or that, Ke or that Kevin is able to do for us to have careers, right? We still have to have our own things that we're doing, but I've loved it, man. It's, it's all passion. It's all collecting type content. It's, it's for people say for collectors, by collectors, it really is like, um, Nick wrote this awesome story about, about a Michael Jordan card for us that I loved that he will see in his mailbox either today or tomorrow, which is kind of sweet. Cool. I'll be excited. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a surprise. Cool. I, didn't right, know I was, was in, going on. I was in the most recent issue. Oh, yeah. excuse me. Okay. <laughs> you're going to love it, dude. If, when it shows up, you're going to look at it. You're going to go, okay. Like I get it. It's cool to get yeah. the stories in a way that's it's it feels more real it's different it doesn't it doesn't hit the same cycle as all the other things do and then like mm -hmm. i said we've got people who collect the magazines and so i've got people who contact me all the time who are like hey are you ever going to print those first eight issues like i'd really like to add those i've got all the rest of them and i'm like i wish we could we can't though we, we're just we're just doing everything we can to like sort of operate into the future but we can't do old issues we really can't. So anyway, mm. that's my long, that's my, my shortest version of a real well, story. No, thank thank you for that. That background, you touched on a few points I, I want to make. I, I want to thank you for, for hitting the nostalgia piece of it. You're filling a void. Like, I know you're just kind of being coy and joking around. Like, why, why, why would anybody want to do this in 2020? But you really are, you are filling a void, especially today. Um, just let, let's think about, um, you know, NFTs and, and all that, right? People, that really didn't catch on because I think people like to feel and touch trading cards. Right. And also vinyl is becoming huge right now. Like, yeah, it's so easy to go on Spotify and all these other, these other music platforms and get your music, but people want to feel and touch. And that's what you're doing. You're, you're doing that with stories. People want to feel and touch stories and they want to be able to collect that magazine. They want to be able to go to the mailbox, which me and Nick have joked around a lot about when we do the, uh, a lot of TTMing, how it's great when, when mail day comes, you go to the mailbox and there's some exciting things in the mailbox. So, um, you know, thank you for that. You're, you're definitely filling, filling a void. The other thing you touched on was that you enjoy telling stories and I have to completely agree with you. You are a great storyteller. One of the things I wanted to bring up is for people who follow Adam, on his different socials and hopefully there's more after this show adam does a really good job of telling these short sometimes longer stories about something interesting in the hobby oh, so yeah. i wanted to get into that and i was really wondering like where do you find these stories where do they come from and i was thinking well some of them are probably from his magazine right whether they're actual articles that are maybe in the magazine or maybe stories that didn't make the magazine but how are you getting some of these cool stories and then sharing them with the world? And you do a great job at it. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you want to connect with us and our community of listeners, please join our Facebook group, Sports Card Madness. The link is in the show notes. Share your collections, your stories, and your questions. Now back to the show. Thank you again. Um, man, so to go back, I got to go back in time a little bit to, mm. to respond to this. So when I left, when I left Mercado, I went to PWCC, right? And it was right in the, in the middle of this boom period, 
of the hobby. And PWCC, I think, had visions of being like a like a billion dollar company, right? And PWCC has been unbelievably successful. They've been innovative. They've done all these incredible things. And that period was, I think, a period where they were sort of trying to figure out what they were, what they had the chance to be able to become. And so they had this vision for me to come in and do like a few things for them. Really cool things, guys. Like I, I got to go to Oregon once a month and do the the premier auction videos for each of the individual cards, um, which is something that Brent, the Brent Higgins, you probably heard of him. He'd always done that historically, but they made me an offer to come in and do those. And I love doing that because basically my job was to sit down with each card in the premiere and to tell a story about the card or talk about why it was significant I came up with like my own flair and, and things that I, and I loved it. It was one of the best things. Like I did the video for the Luka Doncic that sold for like three and a half million dollars. Right. Oh, I did. Cool. I did so many, like I did a several million dollar videos and several like, like big time one big, you know, six figure videos, but also like, I remember the first time I just got a Kobe refractor, a chrome refractor in my hand. I was like, I've never seen this card in, in my hand before. I've seen it in pictures, but I've never actually held it. And so there were so many of those things that were awesome. I got to do that and I got to do, I did a whole bunch of other things for their marketing and, um, and I really, I really enjoyed my time at PWCC, but I also got to like make more content, which is, you know, I know you guys have the content bug. It's, it's so much fun. Like making content about cards is so much fun. And I got to do, um, this really cool, like a couple of really cool stories that did really well on their social. And then like PWCC ended up in a spot because of, um, you know, because of some things that had happened financially, specifically with their loans, where they were in a lot of trouble and they needed to lay off a bunch of people. So they laid off like 30% of the of the company, including people who were like less important to operations. And I unfortunately was one of those people. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was terrible because I, I mean, I, 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 can't, I didn't mention this to you guys, but when I left private equity, like I left a lot of money in unaccrued carried interest on the, on the table. And that never comes back to me. Right. So I left, I left this like, like well-paying, like great job that for accountants was awesome to go to this world of cards. And then, and then within a year, I don't have anything anymore. And it's like, Oh, just, it's just like a punch to the gut. Right. It's so bad. But at the same time, I knew, like, I actually didn't feel like I had made a wrong decision. I felt like I made this great decision following what I really wanted to follow. And I knew that I was good at t telling the stories, like you said, which again, I'm, I appreciate your kindness there, but I knew like I had something, I knew that I like was engaging people. And so, so PWCC said to me at the same time, they're like, listen, Adam, we had to let you go. Obviously, you know, we're, we're sorry about that and all these other things, but my guy, but several people I worked with are like, we can't lose you for content. We really want you to keep doing some of the content. Would you mind still doing this on like a, a contractor basis? And oh, by the way, if you're going to do it that way, we'd love, you can also go do the same thing for other people. If you're, if you're, you know, if you want to, mm -hmm. like, if there's other interest in it, you can do it for them. And so I was like, okay, I've got the magazine. It's like, it's like kicking off some, some funds for us. Like that's something that I can make be part of my job. And then I've got this PWCC piece. And are there other entities that would love for me to tell stories for them, right? And so I was like, let's give this a shot. My wife went back to work a little bit. Um, she works, you know, she works a day and a half a week right now, right? And it was like, let's see if we can make this work. And so I've just like been making content in my basement and sitting here for like the last year now and doing everything that I can to 
help the different companies that I'm engaged with. And it turns out like it's been, it's been really successful. And, um, you know, I, I love the, it's, it's grown. The average one of my reels that I tell these stories on gets about 30,000 views, which is wow, unbelievable. It's incredible. So I'm loving it. I, I love telling the stories and to answer your question. Cause I know I did a lot of not answering your question just now. Um, like a lot of times it's about what items are up for sale and understand and wanting to communicate to the community. Here's why these things matter. Cause a lot of times people don't know. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I see this thing. I see what it sold for, but they don't know what the story is since I have literally 35 years in cards at this point, like, and I've worked professionally in cards for a decade. Like I have, I've got a lot of this knowledge and experience. I flip, I flip my way to buying my house, right? I flip my way to going through college. I didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I know knew how to do these things when I was really young. Like I just, I just have taken it all and tried to try to come at it from an educational and entertaining perspective and feel like if I do that, then I'm doing the, my, my clients, the, the auction houses and other hobby entities. Well, that's what I've been trying to do. I know that's a long answer, but that's best. No, Thank you. And and I you are doing it well. You know, I think about um I've never had the opportunity to go to like a real auction house, right? Where like paintings are being auctioned off. But you see it in movies and TV shows. And when they auction these paintings off, there's always like a story before about the painting and who owned it and how it was acquired. And and that's what you're doing. You're telling you're telling a background and a story about this great card that that's up for auction uh recently coming up. So it's- all right, I'm gonna I'm going to request that you show off your storytelling chops a little bit here. Um, There is a story about a John Stockton card when you were younger. And this is, this is a little bit of a, do you mind? Do you want to share this story? Okay. To be fair to the audience, Adam sent this to me and I was like stunned. So (laughs) Nick hasn't told me, but he told me I need to ask you. So this is going to be like instant reaction for me. So you have a story about, John Stockton card when you were younger, and that's all I'll say. Oh, man, so you're asking about like one of my most heartbreaking sort of. Oh no, oh, sorry, <laughs> but that's okay. So, like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years. Hmm. In 2002, right before I was about to go serve a mission for my church, um, I had an amazing thing happen where I was working at the card shop, local card shop, and a card came in for sale that was on the auction wall or what we called the bid board. And it was a John Stockton green. I believe it was the eight of 100 uh, PMG green. And it showed up and my eyes got real big because I immediately knew that from the old Beckett's that that these green cards had a massive multiplier. A multiplier basically takes a base card and it says the parallel of this is worth X times the base card. And I think if I remember right, the green had a multiplier of a thousand. Like some mm. insane number, <laughs> 75 or 750 to a thousand, like some crazy thing. So I saw it and I was like, wow, I've never seen one of these before. I went home, got on eBay. Cause of course I couldn't get it on eBay on my phone. Cause it's 2002. And I look online and I see that an Antonio McDice recently sold for close to 300 bucks. And I was like, Ooh, if McDice is $300, Stockton's going to be a lot. So I went back to the shop and I proposed to my boss. I was like, Hey, I know that this is like going to be a huge sale. What if I buy it and then you sell it for me? He's like, I'll totally do that. I was like, okay, great. I'll give you 20% or whatever it was. So I bought the card that Saturday. It ended and I won it for $77. Oh, boy. <laughs> 77 bucks. Amazing, right? 
I take the $77 card, I take it home, and I notice as I look at it, and you 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 know this if you've seen a PMG green before, so, sometimes, or a red, sometimes the white card stock sort of shines through the, the hollow foil area. Like, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to do that, but the hollow foil hasn't been laid perfectly, and so you see the white. And I looked at it, and I was like, man, this card isn't perfect. Like, I'm not so sure this is going to really be worth a ton, but I put it up on eBay myself, figured out how to use the scanner, put it up on eBay, the card, like th- that night, I got a call from a guy from Australia. Now, back in those days on eBay, you would be, just get calls from people. They would be able to find your phone number, which is insane, right? So he he um, he calls me. He like tells me this long story about how he's been ripped off multiple times on eBay. And he's like really interested in this card. And and I go, I go all right, well, I'll, I'll do it for $500. And he says, okay. And then he tells me after I end the item, hey, I need you to send it to me first before before um, before I pay. Now, this is insane, right? This is 20 something years ago, but even back then, it probably didn't make any sense. But those were the early days. And mm. anyway, long story short, I gave in. I sent him the I sent him the card. I sent him a Reggie Miller autograph out of Stadium Club, too. And um, and I you know, he ran, he did the same thing to like 20 other people the same week. And I didn't, I didn't get my $500. But the the real story is this, like I owned the John Stockton, the green. I'm like one of the biggest jazz collectors in the world. I owned the John Stockton green and I sold it. And you had Nat on your show a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and it's the biggest card that he needs in the set. And it's the only one I've ever owned. I've never owned another green, but I did own the Stockton for a week before I sent it to the Australia. So that's crazy. Do you have any idea what it's worth today? You must. I'm sure to Nat. I'm sure to Nat, it's six figures. Oh, man, man. Oh, man. (laughs) It's crazy. Adam. Oh, I know. It's it's a good lesson, though, for the audience. We talk about coining. We talk about trust. We talk about meeting in person or having a person you know, a friend or a family member, meet somebody in person. Um, I don't want to rag on Adam because I've been ripped off too. Uh, we've all been ripped mm-hmm. off in some small way or whatever. Um, thankfully, it hasn't been six figures. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the you know the, the lesson here is if, get paid first and make sure you're actually paid. Um, that, that's yeah. really the bottom it was, line. It was 22 years ago too. So like yeah, the world exactly. is so different now. Oh, I mean, it just... Yeah. Back in those days, there was no PayPal, right? Like, right. I I was gonna get paid via a, an international money order once he got the card. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a really different world today. But um, the other great lesson is like, don't sell your, don't sell your best cards for the most part. Like, hang on to your best cards because that was the best card I ever owned as a kid, and it was of my like you know my favorite or my second favorite player. So wow. I shouldn't have sold it, but I needed to pay for my mission. That was right. a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And so, whatever you live and you learn. Everybody has right. circumstances at certain points of their lives where they regret selling something or doing something or making a decision that obviously if you were 35 and you had that card, it's a whole different world, right? So you can't blame yourself for trying to, to make 300, you know, three, 400 bucks as a 14 year old. You're like a millionaire if you have 300 bucks and you're 14 back then. Yes. Um, so I don't blame you at all. Um, so this is, so first of all, like, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of the audience follows you. Your collection is like, bonkers um to me especially like the 90s inserts and just some of the kobe stuff you've got and jazz stuff you're you don't have to tell us if you're not comfortable um but i know you mentioned on a pod maybe three or four pods ago you have no intention of selling anything even though it's like life-changing money how much do you think your collection is worth like if 
push comes to shove? If you don't want to say it, it's okay. It's a great question. I don't, I don't really know. You know, some of so much of the stuff doesn't sell very often and it fluctuates so much. One of my best cards is a Michael Jordan PMG championship. Like a year ago, it was selling for 300 and it sold for 325 grand. And the last time it sold, it sold for 192. So something can shift by 50% in a year. Right. Um, my Kobe logo mania, like, is it 200 grand, which is close to what I paid for it? Or is it like 50 grand or is it 400? I don't know. I have no idea. So right. most of the stuff is really like, is really hard to value. And, and that's, that's most of the stuff that I collect because I, I like, I like cards where you don't see them very often. So, but it's, you know, it's, it's somewhere between a million and $3 million. And that's a massive range, but it's all, it's, that's probably about the value. All right. So if you all heard that, right. Adam very humbly said he has one to $3 million of sports cards. So mm -hmm. as I said, I'm very impressed. Um, it's yeah. interesting what you say, because people argue about comps all the time, right? They go on eBay, look at sold when you're dealing with really high end stuff. Like, um, you know, if I complete the 1969 tall boy signed set, yes. there's, there's two in the world, right? Or three mm -hmm. in the world. Maybe possibly you can have like eight in the world ever. Um, what's that worth? It's, it's all about the buyer, the timing, the mood, the economy. There's just That's too right. many factors, right? So as you say, you, it could be plus or minus 50% with some of these things. It's not like a, a $100 card where it'll be plus or minus 10%. So that, that you made a good point there. Yeah, I don't, I think the thing that, that maybe makes me a little bit, um, I don't want to say it that way. I think one way that I've learned to think about cards for me is to not think about the values as much as, as maybe a lot of people do. Um, mm. I, I'm always thinking about like, like I, I get people all the time who are like, who are like curious about the market. They're like, what do you think the market's going to do? And I've sort of, I've sort of become somebody who I don't really even, I don't even think about the market very much anymore. I, a lot of people get rich by buying into a market at the right time or selling out of a market or at a right time. I'm not going to ever do that with cards. And so like that Jordan that I mentioned it, it, you know, maybe a better example would be the Kobe 08 Chrome gold. I bought that for nine grand mm -hmm. and it went up to 300 grand. And oh. I looked at it and I went, this is a stupid number that doesn't make any sense. And I knew it right. didn't make any sense at that time. Mm. And so people were like, why don't you sell it? Why don't you sell it? And I'm like, well, I don't really like, this sounds so me Like I didn't really, I don't really, I'm a pretty simple guy. I don't really need a lot of money. So I didn't sell it because I didn't want to leave somebody holding the bag. I'm doing air quotes on a podcast. That's never smart. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I don't want to like just rip somebody i don't want to just take somebody for all they're worth i knew it wasn't a smart thing to have that card at three hundred thousand dollars but i bought it at nine which was smart and i like the card and so i i don't want to think about how the market is going to go up and down i don't even really want to think about how my collection increases or decreases what i want to think about is how i can always be making my collection more of what it needs to be like better mm. in terms of like does that fit what i want and so the way that i've defined that is like I collect basketball card history. I want to own the best things from basketball card history. And so I'm always doing it in that way. And people will be like, I thought you didn't like Michael Jordan, but I thought you didn't like Dennis Robin or all these different places. I'm like, yeah, but they are really important parts of basketball card history. And so, so I collect those things um, and try to make my collection as good as I can. And I don't, I don't think about the market or, really, or the prices really as I do it. We hope you guys are enjoying this episode. LZ and I have a big ask for everyone. 
If you are enjoying the show every week, please take a few seconds to go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us. If you can leave a five-star review, that would be really amazing and help keep the pod coming every Friday and Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the show. Uh, if anybody wants to get a sense of Adam's collection, uh, he recently did an episode on his own podcast with his daughter, which was awesome. Um, and the two of them sat down and reviewed like 10 of his favorite cards. Mm-hmm. And his cards that they talk about in that episode are all wow cards. So that will give you a sense for, for people. If you want to I love I love that episode because Lucy, yeah. that, that episode was about Lucy. Um, she... Yeah. She's so smart and she she's my 10-year-old girl and she like has things she loves about cards. She got a I got for for Christmas last year, I gave her a Shaquille O'Neal Intense from the 1993 or 90, 94 emotion set. It's worth it's like a $15 card. But we sat and we like talked about it for like 20 minutes after I gave it to her. And she just like looked at it and the design and the elements she liked and the things that she thought were really cool. And she's learning about art she's learning about what she likes and design and things in a way that is really, really neat. Um, and it's, again, that's a, that's a $15 card. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be crazy money. It's just, it's sort of like what's happened to my collection along the way is I've naturally tried to build it into what it, what it could be. It's, it's just gotten to this point, but guys, I never thought like, I'm a simple guy. I, I'm a, again, super simple guy. I drive a 2010 Toyota RAV4 that I bought for like 11 grand, like eight years ago. Right. Like I, I'm a simple guy, but I I have just sort of built the the collection in whatever ways that I can along the way to be the best that I can. And it was never supposed to be a million dollar collection. That was mm-hmm. never the goal. I I thought at one point maybe I'd be able to pay my house off with my cards. Right? I didn't know I didn't know that this would happen. It's just it's just sort of naturally what's happened over time. It's funny how um, when you do what you love and kind of collect what you love, it just yeah. the value just sort of works out, right? It's very interesting. Um, so Adam, the the Harry Potter thing, I got to ask you about that. So I obviously kind of grew up a little bit with Harry Potter and my daughter loves Harry Potter. You've got some, it's pretty badass Harry Potter cards. What is that PC all about? I know you're kind of like a family guy. I'm guessing that might be part of it, but mm-hmm. you know, why, is, why are you a big Harry Potter collector? So I am, I'm always late to the party on, on like pop culture things. And I didn't, I didn't like Harry Potter when it was coming out at all. I didn't read the books early. I didn't like I had all, all my friends who were who loved it. And then I told you guys about my mission, right? Like I went on, I went to England in 2002. So think about what the world was going through during 2002 with, with regard to Harry Potter and what it would have been like to be in England. I got to I got there. I, my first area was in London, a place called Mitcham in Surrey. And there were just buses everywhere, like these double decker buses with Harry on one and Hermione on the other. Ron on one and like, and I saw these buses and I was like, I, this Harry Potter thing is just a joke. Why, why does everybody like this so much? You know, like it's some stupid wizard story. And then I got home from my mission. I just didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care. And then I got married. And when I was either when I was married or dating my wife, like right towards the beginning, her family went to the sixth one, which is called the Half-Blood Prince. And I watched the movie and I just loved it. I was like, what's the story with this Snape guy? And like, you know, spoiler alert, but like, why does he kill Dumbledore? And what's what's that all about? And so my wife and I, we went back and we watched the first five on DVD. And then we watched six again. And then we watched we watched him again. And we watched him again, just trying to figure out what was going on. And I like just fell in love with the Harry Potter movies. Then I read the books. 
Then the last two movies came out. Then my kids started being born and I started reading to them. And there, guys, I'm going to tell you, there is nothing better in the world than like having kids and reading to your kids the Harry Potter books, doing all the silly voices, pretending you're Dumbledore. Like do that. Do that forever yeah. because as a dad, mm -hmm. that is that is as good as it gets. So That's it's great. become this important part of our family. And then two years ago or last year, I don't even remember. I think I think last year at the beginning of the year or two years ago, sorry, at the beginning of the year, um, I discovered that there were Harry Potter cards that were made during the movies. And this little company called Artbox had the exclusive license from Warner Brothers to make these really cool autograph cards, costume cards and prop cards and Everything from the movies is like most of the characters and stuff, their autographs are there. And then I discovered that Harry, Ron, and Hermione's actors have a card that they all signed. And so I started seeking after it like crazy. I spent, guys, it sounds so stupid. I spent, I think, six times on that card what anyone had ever spent for that card when I bought it, just because I, I had to have it. I just had to own this thing. And it took me like six months to finally locate somebody who was willing to sell it. Um, I, I spent, I spent over 50 grand on a stinking Harry Potter. Wow. I never thought I'd do that. Like that was insane, but I just really wanted it. And I think it's, I think Harry Potter matters. I think that the, and, and so from, so, and, and I know again, I'm being long winded. I always am. And I apologize for that, but there's two things that I think you should do with every purchase. This is like collecting by Adam. One of my best pieces of advice. You have to think about every item with your head and with your heart. Do you love it? And do you think that it's a smart investment? And if both of those things are true, you should buy it. And that's that's what Harry Potter uh, cards have been for me too. Very cool. nice. Very cool. That is that is cool. Um, are there any other cards like that? Are there is what what's the next card that that you are waiting on? If it ever becomes available, you don't really care about the price you're going you're going after it. Do you have a list of those? I do. You do. Um, yeah. I do. There's okay. a few cards that I'd like to acquire in the next year or two, but they don't pop mm -hmm. up very often. There's not like another Harry Potter type thing that that's out there that will like just take me over. I don't think that I know of at least. I don't know of one right now, but the the best answer maybe I can give you to that question is the way that the market has moved over the last few years has created lots of these opportunities where now stuff is a lot more appealing and I like this a lot more than where we've been. Like I like I like being able to afford some things and seeing some cheaper prices mm -hmm. on things. And uh, do you? How do you guys feel about that? Do you guys like that the markets sort of come to a place where now you can afford some of the things that you like, or do you wish we were back twenty four months ago? Right from the stuff that I'm dealing with, it's gone nothing but up. You know, That's high end true. vintage and high end vintage autographs have maybe there was a temporary dip but you know when i'm dealing with cards that there are three of in the world there's there is no market movement it's just like what's the next guy gonna pay uh but i will say it is nice to buy more affordable blasters and be able to find them for my kids um at target and things like that where mm -hmm. a couple of years ago you just couldn't even get them you know yeah Couples. similar similar for me it vintage is 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 has stayed uh very similar in price for the past couple of years um and I'm trying to build the 1986 Flair basketball autograph set as well. I'm very close to that. I'm seven cards away now. Um, but to Nick's point, I, I do a lot of like random TTMing on the side, especially like pop culture stuff like Adam, like you're getting into with the Harry Potter. So I do like that. You know, when I'm picking up these singles 
to go get TTM'd, they're they're definitely cheaper than they were a couple of years ago. So I I appreciate that, and that's that's perfect because that that's what I would expect. I don't expect vintage to be dropping like some of these other ones. So it works. I want to yeah. hear when we're off the air your seven that you're missing from the '86 set. I know Nick completed oh, okay. it, which is nuts. It's so right. so nuts. Um, is it Dave? Is it Dave Greenwood? Is he is he the tough one for you right now? No, I have him. Oh, you're you close. Him. You're close though, Adam. It's so it's the it's the Steve Johnson card. <laughs> oh, yeah. Steve Johnson. With, with yeah, Dave with Greenwood. Dave Greenwood. Correct. Picture. My bad. Correct. Yeah, that has made it a very. I have somehow gotten Steve in a good mood a couple of times oh. <laughs> and it's like I've i don't know what and then he disappears for like two years and then yeah um so i'm good lz i've got sent a, i've he, sent probably three to his house and i'm just hoping one of these days that he opens ones up he opens one up and sends maybe it. maybe at but, some uh, point he'll just send them all back to you you oh, get like 20, 20 back at the same he'll time. do a signing at some point i i tried to organize a signing with him and he's like yeah let's do it and then he just disappeared again so um mm -hmm. you know someday he will who's yeah. How many of the 132 are, are gone? I, it, it's got to be 20. 20, 20 or so, right? Yeah, yeah it's 20 like now. 20. Wayne Cooper. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, 20. Right. Mm -hmm. One more just passed. It's That's crazy. It's the best It's the best basketball set of all time, and it's not even close. I hear people who were like, I'm a, I'm a rare card collector. I hear other rare card collectors talk about, oh, 86, whatever, whatever, because it's the most graded basketball set of all time. It's not mm -hmm. rare, blah, blah, blah. But it is it is unquestionably the best basketball set of all time. I, I grew up putting it together and I started it when I was nine. I figured I finished it when I was 14, obviously not the autographed version, but yeah. getting the Jordan when I was 14, I still have it. It's got six creases in it. Um, it was, <laughs> it was one of the highlights of my childhood. It really yeah. was. And I, no, it's, it's a BGS 1.5. I've owned probably 50 Jordan rookies since then, but that one I will always keep because as a kid, that from again from a nostalgia perspective, it's truly one of the great moments of my childhood was getting the Michael Jordan rookie card. Very cool. Um, all right. So we're gonna finish it up here because we want to be cognizant of, of your time. Um, we always ask our guests the same question. You might know what's coming here, Adam. But if if you could have a cup of coffee with an athlete or a sports figure that is uh, alive or perhaps deceased, who would it be and why? So my question to you on this one is, do they know if they're deceased? Do they know everything that's happened in the sport since since they passed away? Oh, well, we can make uh, up sure. the rules. We'll say yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they do. So, Because if they don't, my answer, oh, um, okay. if if they don't, I would love to be able to uh, talk to the inventor of basketball, which is Dr. James Naismith. Because I don't mm. think he had any idea when he did what he did you know, the peach basket on this. I don't think any, I don't think he had any idea what would happen there, but the fact that basketball has become what it has been. And look, it's like, it's been like, I'm going to go play basketball tonight. I'm going to run a basketball tournament um, with some, with a group, a group here in the area. I play basketball with my kids all the time. I collect basketball. Nice. My career is basketball. Like everything is related mm -hmm. to it. I think that would be amazing. Um, but as far as somebody who's like living, who, who today, you know, goes back to my goes back to my childhood but john stockton's three-pointer over carl over charles barkley is the is the is the best it's honestly like the best moment of my whole childhood like it was the best it sends the utah jazz to the, to the nba finals where of course we mm -hmm. didn't win but those guys um they've they've gotten a lot of hate over the over the course of the years for different things john stockton um i could tell you all about that why he's received hate and why in the public eye he's not a lot of people's favorites and i kind of understand why people feel the way they do but like he played every game 
almost every single game for 19 years and just played his guts out, played super hard and was always like the best guy, like super kind and, and just worked hard and was a great example to me growing up. I'd love to like, just sit down with him and like, thank him for his example over the years, because look today, these guys make millions and millions of dollars, like so much more than those guys used to make. And they don't even have to play in the games. They can just take a game off because they feel like they need rest. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. I get why they do it. I understand the science behind it and all that. But like Stockton, like Stockton played every game, regardless of his injuries all the time growing up. And so I'd love to just thank him for that. Very cool. I like the Naismith. That's Mm. awesome. Stockton's great too. Um, Adam, so man, sadly, sadly, we have to end this pod. You know, one of the, the things I took from you, I think is a good life lesson for the audience. You know, if you're in a job, could be anything, just make up anything and you're making X and you feel like you want to take a chance and make like 50% less, but be 3000% happier. Um, that's a chance that's sometimes worth taking. Save up a little bit so you can take that gamble. And I think Adam is a really great lesson for that. I, I've kind of did that in my own life as an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I admire that. It takes guts and everything. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, Adam, thank you for joining us. Where can people um, follow you? Where can they get your magazine? Um, where can they hear your podcast? Yeah, so Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine is at bcfmag.com. Every month, it will be delivered to your house. It's not just me. It's at least five or six people on every issue. Um, so definitely, I'd l- be great to have any new subscribers. You can imagine there's not too many people who are who are anxious to go out there and like get a magazine every month, but those who do, they love it. Um, and then if you want to follow me on my Instagram for any of my stories, um, that's at the real twenty seven guy, and uh, usually and in other places, the real twenty seven guy or the twenty seven guy. So I'd love to have any new followers and DM me if anybody has any questions. I always, I'm always up to chat. Adam is an expert, everyone. Um, so if you, I have DM'd him with many mm-hmm. very obscure questions, like where is Upper Deck hiding, you know, these secret Jordans and stuff like that. So um, <laughs> we should have yeah. talked about that for the last. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I forgot um, that we had that conversation. I forgot. About we'll, that. We will have you back on again. I think. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think we need to. Um, but anyway, th- thanks again, Adam. This was great. We appreciate the time. All right, everyone, that was another episode of Sports Card Madness. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please take a few seconds and subscribe wherever you get them, and uh, we'll keep them coming. Thanks, everyone.